It expects the worst and is the breeding ground for unbelief and fear. For unbelief and fear. Now, I want you to, to, to hear this quick story in here about uh, some research that was done. And also, I want to I make a point that we can come back to later because this is uh, the answer to some of these questions. The clear teaching of the Scriptures is Jesus paid for the price for our healing when He died on the cross. It's a done deal. It's already done. So when you sign on to the Gospel and you accept what Jesus did for you in salvation, He's paid the price for the healing of your body as well. Uh, You're not sick trying to get well. Uh, You're well and the enemy's trying to steal from you what God gave you. Okay? Now... We'll pursue that after a while. We'll go back into that. I just wanted to say that, and I remember because it wasn't in my notes here, but it came to my mind. Now, I want to read this little research to you. Jesus told us that we must be as little children. Young children possess a quality that is essential to achieving their dreams. They know no limits. They do not know what they can't do, so they dream big dreams. Okay? They are limited only by their imaginations. But indoctrination into negative thinking begins too early. Now listen to this. Research has shown that few adults can be classified as highly creative. Whereas 95% of all four-year-olds are highly creative. They truly astonishing aspect of this research is that while 95% of all four-year-olds studied were considered creative, only 4% of all seven-year-olds retained this creativity. What happened to these children in the three years before four and seven? Well, the answer is obvious. They started attending school. Okay? Now, they learn in school what they can't do. Okay, um, this is why the the teaching on the seven mountain uh, prophecies, the seven mountains that we need to have people involved in education is one of those mountains. This is why we need to have Christian education. And I go back to Deuteronomy chapter six, and there's many other places in here. Where, where God says, teach this to your children so they'll know it. Well, not only have we not taught it to our children, uh, we don't know it. Many of us don't know these basic principles. And I don't know how many people I know that have kids that... And our church is a word church. Our pastor is a man of, a man of the word. And, and when he teaches, boy, the word comes out. And we have a, a fine youth, youth group. Uh, youth teaching young people, and, and we're growing all the time. And uh, uh, our youth pastor, uh, when he speaks in front of the church, I tell the pastor he should take an extra week or two so Kevin can keep preaching. He's that good. So we have an excellent Bible-believing, biblically-based youth programs. But people leave our church with their kids, and I see them later. Why, why is it that you, you know, why did you leave the church? And find out that they go over here to, to, to big church because they have good music and the kids like the music and they like what's going on at the big church. Okay? Well, I would say to you that that's kind of 
the inmates running the asylum in a way uh, because it's the Word that has the effect on their life, not the music, the glitz, the lights and all that stuff. So uh, that three-year period between four and seven, they go to school and they begin to learn that they can't do what it is that, that they wanted to do. Um, great story in here about a woman. Uh, let me Let me... Let me find that. Um, well, I can't find it right now, but the basic thing was this woman, uh, her little uh, uh, boy said he wanted to grow up and be president. And in her effort to protect him from disappointment, she told him, well, you know, you can't really do that because of this, that, and the other. And so... In just a few paragraphs, she crushed his dream of being a president. And what does that do? That makes him not want to dream. It makes him not want to step out and do things. Um, one of the more interesting things was, and I won't digress on this, but I found out when I was a little boy, I didn't, I didn't want to be anything. I didn't want to be a... I mean, I didn't have a dream to be... I wanted to be Mickey Mantle or I wanted to be a fireman or a policeman. I didn't have anything like that. But... The Lord, and I've given testimony about being in and out of drugs and all that stuff, but uh, the Lord quickened to me last week that my life, even though I didn't have a goal, He did. And my life fit perfectly into His goal that He had for me. I didn't know it, but I had to start looking back. And, and my pastor, Jerry Varnado, said the greatest line, that I've heard from Jerry. And Jerry's a good preacher, but unfortunately I don't remember everything he taught. But I remember that he said this, only by looking back over time can you see that God does all things well. And that's true for, for these kids, and I know it's true for me, but let's, let's move on. Um, our process to get where we can believe God is to renew our minds. Um, let's look at, at Romans chapter 12. And verse 2, many of you know it, but I want, I want to go through it, and I want to read it. And I, you turn to your Bible so you can get it before you. It's always good to have the Word in your eyes. Now, here's what Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, I urge you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. Now, verse 2, get this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Now, you turn over to Ephesians. Hold your, hold your finger there in Romans. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, and you're going to hear something very similar uh, from the Apostle Paul again. Uh, verse 23 says this, Well, verse 22, that you put off the former way of life in the old nature which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, the interesting thing about it, I, I had a uh, biology. I had a lot of biology and in my background and in my work in lawn care and golf course work, a lot of biology was involved. And um, one of the things that I learned, the word transformed here uh, is the Greek word metamorphia. I, I believe that's what it, how you pronounce it. But it means metamorphosis. It's where we get metamorphosis from. And um, you'll hear people say things 
like take a caterpillar and a butterfly. And they'll say, that's like being born again. Well, no, it's not. It's not that way at all. Uh, being born again is what the caterpillar does. Now, the process of sanctification is when he comes into being a butterfly. Now, there's a point in there when he gets into the chrysalis and he, and he gets into his cocoon that everything inside that cocoon turns to liquid. It's a very difficult, very very complex process. But before long, he comes out and he's a butterfly. Now, we could go on for a long time about that process, but it is a planned event. So if you feel like you're a caterpillar, you could easily go to Philippians chapter 1 and see how he says this over in Philippians. Um, I am confident this very thing that he who began a good work in you as a caterpillar will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ when you're a butterfly. So he'll get you from here to here, but it's that chrysalis process that's difficult. That's where the that's where the dirty work comes in, and it's not fun. I wish you I wish I could tell you it was, but it's not fun. Now, taking that to consideration, it's our minds. It's the uh, Joyce Myers wrote a great book that we use at Fresh Wind called The Battlefield of the Mind. That's where all the battle comes from. Um. The battle is with your flesh against your flesh. You're born again, you are a spirit, you live in a body, and you have a, a mind, a soul, emotions. Okay? Jesus did the hard part. He got your spirit brand new. It's your part to get the flesh under control. That's the part that the guys at Fresh Wind struggle with, is the flesh and what my wife calls stinking thinking. They don't think right. Okay? So... Changing your thinking to the to what the Word says is one of the ways that we answer those questions. Why is it so hard for us to take the Bible at face value in the areas of healing, prosperity, and deliverance? It's because we don't have any faith in those things. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So you have to make it a, a level effort. You have to make the effort. And, and reading the upper room or a little daily bread, the little, the little booklet that you get from these, from the, from denominations and stuff, you open it up on the 30th and you read a paragraph, a nice little paragraph somebody wrote. There's a scripture reference there and there's a one paragraph or a one line, one or two line prayer. That's not meditating on the Word. That's a nice little thing, but you can't get up in the morning and read that and then check off, well, I've done my religious stuff for the day. Because that's all it is, is a religious reading. You need to do what the Lord told us to do to get where He wants us to go. Okay, now we'll go on from there. Um, Romans uh, 6.6 6 and Galatians 2.20. Let's look at Romans 6.6 6 for just a moment. should be just to the left of Romans 12, if my Bible's correct here, and it is. Romans 6.6 6 says this, Knowing this, that our old man has been crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we're no longer slaves to sin. Now get this. The body of flesh has been crucified. And uh, I heard that best described as you can't take out your appendix again. You can't take out your appendix twice. Once it's out, it's out. It's gone. Once you've crucified the flesh, it's dead and gone. You can't keep killing it because it's already dead. The problem is in our mind and we're not bringing the Word of God to bear on the situation and we don't believe what it says. Now, 
Uh, the the next one is Galatians two twenty. Let's look at Galatians two twenty real quick. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me through the Holy Spirit. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. You have to have faith to do this. And faith is the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. Now, let's go on. Um, in order to live the new life to the fullest, you must renew your mind. You must do that. You have to change the way you think about things. <clears throat> That's why when Varner's research, when only 6% of the, of the adult population in this country and the kids um, have a biblical worldview, well, it's no wonder then that the kids that are growing up, the the generation, the millennials, Gen X, Gen Z, and, and not Gen X, but millennials uh, and Gen Z, the next two below me right now, I'm a boomer, so the two before me, Gen X uh, and uh, the other uh, millennials and then the uh, Gen Zs, it's no wonder these kids don't believe in God. We didn't believe in God. We didn't teach them. We didn't do what God told us to do. Now, one of the things that they want to see in order to be successful is they want to see they want to see results. And I suggest to you that when we get this down, when we answer this question, why is it so hard to take the Babel the the Babel the Bible at face value in areas of healing? When people start getting healed in church, I guarantee you we'll have we'll have people there. Now these kids don't see any relevant. Uh, the, the church is irrelevant to them. Yes, I get that. I get that completely because it was irrelevant to me. I just didn't know it was irrelevant because I didn't know that the Bible did exactly what it said it would do. Jesus will do the same things today, and He's given us the power to do that. I I heard um, one teacher, uh, somebody asked him the question, why did, why did uh, God send Satan down to earth? And his answer was amazing to me. He said, it was punishment to him. Because he said, when he was, when he was sent to, when, when he was down here, and Jesus was here, Jesus kicked him all over the place. And he sent us down here to do the same thing, because that's what Jesus empowered us to do. Now, let's go on and look at this. When we develop the ability to, re, to believe God's Word, to see God's answer instead of focusing on the problem, we can remove all the limitations that we've placed on God. I want to say that again. When we develop the ability to believe God's Word, to see God's answer instead of focusing on the problem, we can remove all the limitations we've placed on God. Now, I just recently read a story about a woman... Uh, was in her 50s. She had cancer. Uh, and she was a, a woman of faith. She and her husband both. A great story about their life. They believed God. They believed in healing. They believed these things were true. And um, uh, she had an appendix problem. They went in and took her appendix out. The doctor told her, when I got your appendix out, it completely fell apart in my hand. 
And the tissue that was inside the appendix was cancerous. And um, so they went on and they, they, they did more investigation into her. And they found out she had cancer all over the place. And the doctor told her she had six months to live. Well, now, she's got a situation, and I love the way she approached this. She said, the Scriptures say I'm healed. Jesus died for me. The Word says I'm healed. I believe the Word, so I believe I'm healed. But now, cancer says something else. Cancer says you're going to die in six months. So she said, she prayed to the Lord, and the Lord quickened to her that the first thing she needed to do was to go to the Word and verify what she actually believed. Did she really believe that the Lord was her healer? So she spent some time going to the Word, and she went in and she found out she did believe. She said, no, I believe this is true. You're my healer. I don't care what this says. I care what your Word says. Now, over the next nine months, she lived past six months, over the next nine months, her husband, who also is a believer, said she will she she wasted down to 96 pounds, and he her skin just looked terrible. He carried her everywhere she had to go in the house. Uh, he would make her protein drinks, and she couldn't drink anything. And he knew if she didn't drink anything, she would die. So they prayed and and, and said to the doctor, "You got to get rid of this nausea." And whatever it was, the doctor came up with an answer to that and got rid of the nausea, and she started drinking uh, protein drinks. And sooner or later, uh, she started feeling better, and, and uh, they put her on some other stuff, and she went to the doctor to get a PET scan, and the, the nurse came out and told her, said, you know, and she, the nurse was laughing. She said, what's so funny? She said, well, your tumor markers went from 208 to 28. And he said, we never see a reduction like that, never. And um, and over the next several months, uh, she went back and they said, the cancer is completely gone. There's no, no sign of cancer in your body. Now, how did she get that way? How did that happen? Uh, was it God's will for her to be healed and, and not God's will for your mother to be healed who had cancer, or your uncle or your dad or your brother? Was it God's will to heal her and not them? No. She paid attention to the Word and she acted on it. When her life was in jeopardy, she believed what God said, and she went to the Lord. Uh, in John chapter 10, it's very clear. My sheep hear my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. She heard what the Lord said, talking about various medicines and doctors and so forth, and she followed that, and uh, she's healed, completely healed. And I've got other people that I know, same same kind of a story. Now, the question is, and this applies to me as well, uh, when I had COVID, I got COVID in January of this last year, and it knocked me on my keister. I'll tell you what, it, it you know, it was no fun. I ended up in the hospital, and, and uh, uh, my wife said, she heard a nurse on the phone when I was talking to her saying, Mr. Hines... I, uh, we're going to give you something that will help you calm down a little bit. said I was really mad. I was mad at God. I was mad at her. I was mad at everybody. I was mad at the election. I was mad at this. And I cussed this and I cussed that. And and uh, when I went to sleep, I had a dream. And the Lord gave me uh, two dreams. They're absolutely amazing. And uh, the point is, is what has, you have to act on it when you're put under pressure. That's what we saw in the book of Mark. 
Satan comes immediately to steal the word. You get word that you're healed, Satan's going to come and, and prove to you that it doesn't work. But we just have to have the courage and the guts to stand on what God said. I speak to me and I speak to anybody who's doing that. Now, let's go on and talk about Joshua chapter 1. I want to turn to Joshua chapter 1 and we'll, I think we'll finish up in Joshua chapter 1. Go to Joshua chapter 1 and look at verse 6. And we'll just read a few verses in there. The Lord, now, you know, Joshua just heard some words that probably terrified him. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead, therefore you go. Now, Moses did a few things. And Joshua was there and watched them all, and he's gone now. That guy's gone. And, jo- and the Lord points to Joshua and says, you do. You, it's, your, it's your deal now. And so here's what he said. Be strong and courageous, for you shall provide the land that I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Be strong and very courageous in order to act carefully in accordance with all the law that my son servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn aside from it to the right or to the left so that you may succeed wherever you go. Now listen to verse 8. This book of the law must not depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may act carefully according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way successful and you will be wise. Now, it's the Word. It's confessing the Word. It's making it a priority in your life. Um, I don't know how many times people say, well, I can't be, uh, you know, we've got good Bible studies going on. Well, I can't be there. My kids got soccer practice and so forth and so on. Well, that's okay, uh, you know, and, and many times in that, and I don't have kids, and so people say, well, you don't know you don't have kids. Well, there's a reason I don't have kids is because I didn't want them. <laughs> I didn't think I'd be a very good father because I would, I would absolutely enforce this stuff. And uh, people don't like to have stuff enforced, so anyway, that's another story. But the point is, you've got to make this a priority. That, so then when you get sick, I guess you go to the soccer coach and see if he can help you because that's where you spent your time. Now, there's nothing wrong with soccer. There's nothing wrong with kids going to soccer and so forth. But when that becomes a priority, uh, you know, on Sunday, a lot of these things I think are scheduled on Sunday because they'll interfere with church. And, uh, you know, that's your choice. You certainly have the decision to do that. I'm just saying... When you, we make other things priorities over what God said in His Word and doing what He said, that's when we get into trouble. Now, um, if you go back to Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, I'm not going to turn there, but it says, um, uh, Thou, I remember the King James, one of the few King James ones I like, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in you. Now, because his mind has stayed on you. When you get into trouble, is that where you turn? When the government turns against you, when when all these things happen, the election is screwed up, this happened there, and uh, they're passing all these goofy laws, and they want to take God... You know, all these things are going on. Do you, do you rely on politics, or do you rely on what God says? Um, that's, the, that's the key question. Um, if you go down, and uh, I guess we'll finish on Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. Go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, and we'll finish up here. 
Let's see, that's the one in the New Testament. There it is. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. And you, who were formerly alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has He reconciled. All of this has been paid for. It's a done deal. Jesus took out your appendix. You don't have to try to take it out again. Now, in order to operate correctly in Babylon, we've got to have a strong foundation of the Word. That's the first thing. If we don't have that strong foundation, uh, we'll have no effect. We'll just be religion, and it will get marginalized. Religion should get marginalized. Jesus won't be marginalized. You start doing what Jesus said to do, and you will be get the results that He got, and when He said He would do these things, and that we would do these things, we can act on them and believe that we will. It's You have to spend enough time in the Word and trust God to, to build up the Word in your heart to be able to trust Him and believe Him and see these things happen. Okay. Um, well, I think we'll pick up and, and we'll try to finish this the next couple of sessions, but I think it's worth it to understand where we need to go now that we're living in Babylon, how to deal with these things. Okay, I'm going to close with prayer. Thank you for listening. Father, I ask you to, to help us, Father, as we learn to trust you, as we reach out for you, Father. Help us to believe and walk in the faith that you've given us, Father, and trust you for the results. They're not our results. That We trust you for the results. We thank you for all you're doing for us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. See you next time.